Welcome back, everybody, to After the Sermon Ends, where we know that after the sermon ends... The conversation begins. There we go. We got the slam dunk there. Um, The voice you are hearing is not Marcus Donaldson, but it is better known as joshxrichards at gmail.com. I'm getting the privilege to host today, but joining me is still Pastor Marcus Donaldson. And... For making her second appearance, we have Julia Yoder. Welcome this back. big news. Big news. You know, you didn't give me that, like, you got to give me the head nod or something. You yeah, just, like, line, threw it up. My mm-hmm. line is after the podcast ends, the reading commences. The reading commences. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. All right. So we went into Genesis 15 this past Sunday. Marcus went deep on covenants and God's promise to Abraham. And yeah, Marcus, why don't you give us a recap? We're in the second week of our series, A Journey of Faith, The Life of Abraham. And last week, Jared covered Genesis 12, where we looked at the call. And this is where we see uh, the promise first made. So this week in chapter 15, we really focused on the promise because here God ratifies the, the promise that he's making with Abraham and Really, he's confirming it with a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice, so a, a covenant ceremony. And we spent some time uh, covering the first half of that. And what I've really come to appreciate about studying Abraham's life is how the author of Genesis, Moses, how he really gives us an invitation into Abraham's humanity, like just how human he really was. Because you hear a lot about how you know, he's the father of the faith, like he, by faith, Abraham, you know, Hebrews 11, everywhere in the Bible makes a lot about Abraham because he's important. But in Genesis, we see how human he is. Um, We saw that God speaks, Abraham voices his concern, and then God reassures him. Mm -hmm. And as I reflected on that, I was like, man, that sounds a lot like me sometimes. God speaks, and I have some issues with what I feel like the Lord's telling me through His Word, you know. And um, so I voice my concerns in prayer and everything else, and then He reassures me with His Word, ultimately that, you know, He's bigger than I am, He's holier, He's uh, smarter, He like, He's got it all. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm just this tiny human being. And I think I saw a lot of that, and I hope other people heard or saw as they read a lot of that in Genesis 15. And then, yeah, we spent some time talking about covenants because they're important, especially as they relate to salvation today. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, it was a it was an awesome message. We got to, you know, dive into those, those covenants and Old Testament um, law and how it relates into the New Testament. Um, Julie, what were some of your big takeaways from the message? Well, Marcus, whenever you started to talk about covenants, a lot of times I think we put the what were the two there's one it was the conditional or bilateral or the unconditional unilateral yeah i think i think unpacking both of those was necessary i was like i'm here for this because <laughs> um whenever you whenever you look at that you're like oh so it's not really up to me it was never up to me right. and sometimes we have a misinterpretation of even like as Christians, mm-hmm. like how we got here, we start putting a little bit too much like emphasis on, you know, here's what I can do right. for God. Right, right, right. And it's not to say, you know, Paul says 
we don't just keep on sinning because we're saved, but, but going all the way back to the covenant from the get go, Christ died for us yep. at the right time so that yep. we could have salvation. It has the covenant is, uh, it is it is very clear that we are bound to mess up. Mm-hmm. And so that reminder, just even for our salvation, was like like re-putting on that helmet of salvation yeah. mm-hmm. was really neat. I love that you unpacked that. Well, I appreciate that because I'm sitting there Thursday, Friday, and even Saturday, and I'm like, this is going to be so boring and dry. But I, I couldn't. Genesis 15, 6, and he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. But what I would have realized a lot of um, believers do is they just lump the Old Testament in with the Mosaic law. And if we look at that and we don't understand its purpose, if we don't understand its function, and we don't understand the history that predates that, uh, we really miss passages like Genesis 15, mm-hmm. 6, where we see that he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. So Abraham's faith, uh, Abraham's faith versus God's, God's work. Uh, mm-hmm. God declares him righteous. And this isn't necessarily in that, uh, I want to say soteriological, but in that salvation sense. Mm-hmm. But this is the first time that the promise becomes real to Abraham he believes it. He, in spite of being eighty-five years old and without a child, mm-hmm. he believes it. He believes what God is saying to him, and God counts it to him as righteousness. So, as we look at, at those unilateral or unconditional covenants, like you said, Julia, it is all God. He provided the sacrifice. He mm-hmm. sent Jesus into the world. Um, so it doesn't matter what religious works I might do. Mm-hmm. Baptism, giving, um, I don't know. There's a huge list that we could probably lay out, but we spend so much time worrying about what we can do for God instead of just walking in the fullness and the joy that he gives mm. us through it being on him. Right. That's a good word. Yeah, That's and good. you know, in this in this covenant, we, we see his promise— um, and we'll talk about the ratification by the blood in a second, which is so cool. But um, but we also see the human frailty of Abram, and we see um, his doubts, we see his questions, and we see the first question he has is that he doesn't have a son, and he's asking God, where is this son going to come from? Is it going to come from this 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 guy that I've adopted, or is it going to come from some, somewhere else? Like, I need to know. And then God tells him, no, it's going to come from your son, your own blood, um, and your offspring are going to be, you know, as numerous as the stars in the sky. And then we see that beautiful verse of, he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. But then after that, we still see that Abraham has questions. You know, we still see that um, he's not fully there. He has questions about the land that he's going to possess. And so in the midst of him having that faith, he's still seeking more of a sign. Um, and, and Marcus, you dove into that idea of faith seeking a sign. Um, you know, what would what would you, you know, say to people who are dealing with, with what they perceive as doubt or faith? Like, how would you distinguish between um, the two when, when they're looking at this, this story? I love that question. Thank you for uh, giving it to me. <laughs> um, I, I think it's, it's tricky, right? But 
If we're asking for a sign in order to go deeper into our relationship with God, not that they're necessary, but it might be helpful. I think where it can become harmful is in the case of, I'm not going to do this. Let's just say, I'm not going to repent and believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior until you come down Mm -hmm. and speak to me from heaven. Mm. That, I think, is obviously sinful. It's um, unbelief, you know, but I think if, if we're to say something along the lines of, God, make Jesus's death and resurrection real to me, mm-hmm. because I believe, but help my unbelief, and not to distort that, but we are humans. Like, we don't have all the knowledge. We aren't eternal. So we, like, we're bound by time and limited by knowledge that mm-hmm. was brought on uh, from Adam and Eve's sin in the garden. Yeah, um, and that affects our abilities, and I, and God understands that. So if you're if you're going and looking for a sign in order to do something that God has clearly said in His Word, you should do. I think that could be sinful, mm-hmm. but He's big enough to to lead you to somewhere to show you something that'll spark that right. aha moment. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Yeah. You have any follow up on that, Julia? Doubting or unbelief or faith? Yeah. Well, I love what you were saying about about it, Marcus. Um, it was making me think of in Ephesians, not to keep quoting Paul, I love but it. <laughs> <laughs> in Ephesians one seventeen, where he's praying for the people and he's like, just give them a deeper revelation of the knowledge of you. Like that yeah. is let that be the prayer, right? Like that we would know more of God, not that we are trying to uncover his will all the time. Not that it's bad to seek his will. Of right. course, we should be seeking his will, but we should be seeking him right? first yeah. and foremost. And when we seek him, everything else will be added unto us. Like that's biblical. Anytime we start chasing the dream or the will over the creator yeah. of it all, like yep. there's a problem there. So... Not that it's bad to ask God. I think he wants us to ask. He does. He's, he's, he's big a, enough. Yeah, he's a good father. He yeah. he wants us to ask him. It just is a matter of heart posture and seeking him first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we see from, from this passage right here that, you know, Abraham already has the faith. He already believes, but he's seeking that sign so that he can be led into a greater trust of who God is. Like Marcus, you 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 laid that out for us very very clearly in your message, and um, it was very helpful to me. Um, but it's faith seeking a visible sign so that God can lead us into a greater trust of Him, and and you know he he already believes, but he just wants to see you know how it's going to work, and you know and. The Lord doesn't hold back. He's like, you know, your people are going to be sojourners in a land for 400 years in Egypt. Like, and, you know, it's not going to be easy, but I will bring them back into this land. Um, and then he ratifies it um, in blood. And, um, yeah, so so what in this, you know, makes it the unilateral covenant? Unilateral or unconditional covenants that only God can make, they... We talked about a minimum of three requirements. They're divine, they're eternal, and they're gracious. So they're divine, they come from God and God alone. They're eternal, they don't end, and they're gracious in that it's not by works, mm-hmm. right? Like So an example, like a bilateral or 
conditional covenant, mm-hmm. the Mosaic law or the Mosaic covenant, if you obey my voice, you will live. If you don't um, curse, if you do blessings. The exchange is, I will if you do, versus these unconditional unilateral covenants like the Abrahamic covenant, which we covered, like the Davidic covenant and mm-hmm. like the new covenant, yeah. where God says, I will, I will, I will, mm-hmm. I will. There's nothing required of the other person receiving or on the other end of this covenant. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, and Julie, I'll just throw a random question to you here. Um, you know, so what what do we do? You know, God is saying, I will do all of this. We have the new covenant, you know, mm-hmm. for us. The law is written on our hearts, as it says in, in, in Jeremiah 31, through the blood of Jesus Christ. So what do we do? What is our part? <laughs> I mean, I think we can all relate to the feeling of like, you're saying you're going to do this. This is how I feel. This is what it, everything around me looks like. So, I mean, I think a lot of people can relate to that feeling. Mm-hmm. I think something that the Lord has taught me and like brought me up in is speaking his promises over myself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whenever there's a situation where you're like, okay, this is what God has promised in scripture. Like I can clearly see this to be true. Like there's no guessing there. Mm -hmm. So even if I might be in a position where I'm like, God, you say you're provider. I'm really feeling like, are you going to provide? Yeah. Like I start to question and have those conversations with him. Then I'm going to go and read scripture Mm -hmm. um, about provision. Like, he knows the plans that he has for me. Yeah. He wants there to prosper me and yeah. like, or whatever it is, whatever the scripture is mm-hmm. that I'm reading. Jeremiah um, twenty nine eleven. Oh, sorry. Oh yeah. Not that one specifically. <laughs> yeah. Or just like scripture about like his grace towards me or w- whatever it is that he's just, that he's kind, that he's good. I remind myself of the characters that of God that I know to be true, even when I don't feel it. I don't know if that really answers the question well, but. Yeah, for sure. Well, let me just piggyback on that. One of the the most liberating things that I've experienced in my relationship with the Lord, and this is why I remember it, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I was holding on to my mistakes from the past. Mm. And so I was, you know, I would experience these highs and lows, highs and lows. And this is in a relatively short period of time. But when I understood that, this is God speaking to me. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If the creator, the sustainer, the redeemer, the the almighty God is willing to forgive me through his son, then who am I not to forgive myself? Right. You know, like, wow. who am I? If he is, then who am I? Mm-hmm. But it, it comes from the, the new covenant you know, which gets the Davidic and the Abrahamic. But once I received that, once I understood that, once I prayed that for myself, um, it was very freeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we see, I mean, just flipping here to Jeremiah 31, where that new covenant is. Yeah. Um, you know, verse 34, um, you know, and no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. And just like you said, like 
if he doesn't remember our sin anymore, why are we holding on to it and approaching it with shame and letting it, you know, linger in our lives um, instead of, re- you know, turning to him in repentance, dropping it at the feet of the cross and, and walking according to those new promises? You know, that's, I mean, that's the role that we have. Um, you know, I was reading through Philippians chapter one yesterday and that section of, you know, where he is really debating between dying and going to be with the Lord or, you know, continuing in service of the Lord. And he has this eager expectation of the advancement of the gospel. No matter where he goes, what he does, who he meets, it is always for the sake of the gospel. And because he was convinced that it had changed him and it was enough for him, but it was also urgent for others to hear about it. You know, and I know that doesn't necessarily directly correlate to the covenant, but the gospel is the good news. And, you know, as, you know, as, you know, um, beneficiaries of this new covenant, you know, we're responsible to then invite others into this new covenant through the blood of Jesus and, you know, sharing that gospel with others. Um, and I think that's just so, so crucial for for people to know is like, you know, we don't do anything to earn the benefits of the covenant, but, you know, we are then responsible to carry out those benefits to others mm-hmm. and invite them into it. But it's, it's so beautiful because, you know, that responsibility, the original responsibility is not on us. And, you know, we get to just benefit from that and overflow in that. But yeah, any, any final thoughts from... I would uh, agree the, with you that the uh, Great Commission is a requirement for all believers and not requirement for salvation, but mm-hmm. it is something that the Lord commands us to do. It's the Great Commission, not the Great Suggestion. Mm-hmm. When you realize that you did nothing to, to merit God's declaring you righteous, God imputing Jesus's righteousness onto you, mm-hmm. who sinned against him, didn't seek him, like, when you realize that it was entirely God, how could you not yeah. go and tell people? Mm-hmm. Now, I understand that there are times where we're apprehensive. I understand that there are people we may not necessarily want to share it with. But I think, like we see in the New Testament, a lot of the times those are the people that receive it the best. Mm -hmm. It's not the people that we think should be Christians or we think need to be saved. Like, everybody needs to be saved. And it's oftentimes, at least how I read Scripture, the most hostile who receive it the best. Yeah, I would also say this. So I read Genesis 15 or... As I was reading it in my study, it's like God speaks, right? I'm the God who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans. Then Abraham voices his concern. And it's like, okay, go ahead and count the stars if you can do it. Mm. Okay, you can't count them? Uh, All right. Oh, you, you believed? My man. Okay, then it's like, I'm the God who did all this. Oh, you're, and you're worried about the land, man? Like, come on. Like, go get me some, some uh, a bull, a heifer, a, a pigeon, and a turtle dove. Like, go, go get me some sacrifices and let's make it real. That's how I read it. Yeah. And maybe that's just because I, you know, how I feel like the Lord speaks to me through his word sometimes. <laughs> but it, like you said at the beginning, Abraham is a, is a human, a frail human, marked with human fragility. But God did all the work. Through faith, Abraham was counted righteous. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's I want to hear from Julia before yeah. we depart. Yeah, I'm looking her way, and she's not <laughs> Sorry. Like, connecting. She's, I'm just saying. Uh, yeah. Well, here are some final thoughts I'm thinking. At the very end of Genesis, this is maybe a little trail, but I just can't help 
do it. But think of the covenant in this story. Joseph gets his brother sell him into slavery. He goes through so many trials. A lot yep. of us know the story. He gets it's at the very end. His brothers realize that it's him. Yep. Which he knew. He had the dream that they would bow um, to him, and his brothers are scared because they realize that he has so much power. And he looks at them and he says, "Like who am am I, God?" No, of course, I'll clothe you and feed mm-hmm. you. Just He's like, just because I've experienced the grace of God, I can extend it to you. Yep. And like, that is such like the covenant of God. He's like, Joseph didn't do anything to deserve the grace that the Lord gave him for mm-hmm. all those years. And so he can so freely extend it to his brothers and provide for them. That's what he says. He's like, of course, I'll provide for you um, because my God provided for me. So I just was thinking of that promise. And Mm -hmm. now it's like, I feel like no matter what I read in scripture, I'm just going to be like, God's promise, God's promise, God's promise. Is that unilateral or bilateral? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I think that's about all the time we have for today, but thank you everyone for joining us. Um, Leave us a like comment or rating um, on the podcast. Um, next week we are going into Genesis 17. So that means that after this podcast ends, the reading commences. Woo! Yeah. So, so read with us this week. Also this Sunday, join us at 5 PM at city church Gainesville. We're so thankful for you. We're praying for you. Keep up the fight.